Good morning, church. You can turn in your Bibles to James chapter 1 this morning, and we're just going to start in verse 1. But as we go through this today, we're just going to simply talk about uh, uh, the per- perseverance among Christians that the Bible calls us to persevere and endure in Christ, to be strengthened in Him. And I think especially in these times, everything that is going on, at least for me, illustrates the frailty of humanity, that everything around us, I think especially in America, that for the most part, compared to the majority of the world, we are a, a very affluent people. Uh, you know, most of us uh, have the things that are necessary for life. Now, I understand there are some people in America who don't have those things, but I'm saying the vast majority, compared to other countries, uh, are are pretty well off. And I think when we're in that place, sometimes it is easy for us to just assume that things are always going to be uh, kind of sure, or that we are secure, or that, uh, you know, things are never going to really get that bad for us. But the kind of things that we see around us in our world right now show that humanity is frail. Nothing is sure on this side of of heaven. Nothing is sure on this side of eternity. Nothing is sure in this world aside from abiding in God Uh, being strengthened in Him, walking in Him, having His presence. That is the only thing that we can be sure of. There is nothing else in this world that we can ever be sure of, aside from the God who transcends this world, the God who created this world, stepping into relationship with Him, and having my life and my soul and my purposes, everything that I am, having that rooted and established in Him, where he is. That is the only thing that we can be sure of uh, in this world. Um, But we're going to talk about those things more as we go. We're going to start James chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And then we're going to jump to verse 12. Uh, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. So the first thing is just to consider again. He says in verse 2, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. And so many people, I mean, especially unbelievers, but even among Christians, I think sometimes we wonder, how can you experience joy in the midst of pain or trials or suffering? Uh, How can we experience joy or rejoicing in the midst of those things? Uh, I think we have to understand, again, number one, that my hope is now, as the Bible says, my, my life is hidden with Christ and God. The Bible says to set your mind on things above where Christ is seated with God in heaven. That, that my thoughts, my desires, my life itself is now from, the source of it is from a different place. This is something that is vital for us to understand as believers, that the source of my life is no longer here. The source of my life is from the place where God is, and where He is, is unshakable. It is not phased by anything of this world. Uh, now, we'll talk about that more as we go, but uh, the, the, this word, consider it pure joy, he says the word consider, consider, or some versions say count it, but the Greek word means 
uh, to deem it or consider it, to account, suppose, or think. So to account for this that I'm facing, account for these trials, uh, account for this in light of eternity, account for this in light of the effect of the trials. And that's what he's going to go on to talk about in the next couple of verses. But the, the trials that I face, the afflictions, the suffering that I face, I am to account for this or consider these things in light of the effect of the trials that are at hand. Or I consider or account for these things in light of eternity. Or I account for these things in light of my life being hidden with Christ in God. So what we're saying is that I have a different perspective on everything that I face in life. This isn't just trials. This is every single thing that we face in life. This could be uh, happy circumstances. This could be uh, what finances you have, wealth, security, everything that you have. That as a Christian, I now begin to think about everything in my life different. I have a different perspective perspective on it that is influenced or accounted for uh, my life being hidden with Christ and God. That is how I account for or consider everything in my life now. But in this moment, he's talking about our suffering, that when I face a trial or suffering, that I consider it in light of my life, the source of my life being from where God is uh, in his transcendent place beyond this world, that he is not shaken by this world. I am to consider it in that way. Now, the Bible talks uh, that that uh, all believers are subject to suffering. This is one of the things I think there's a misconception that, uh, you know, once you receive Christ, that all of a sudden everything's going to be good and he's going to protect you from uh, all difficult situations or all pain or all difficulty, that is just not true. The Bible doesn't say that at all. In fact, the, the opposite of that is true. Uh, the Bible guarantees that we will face suffering. Uh, 1 Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Uh, so he's saying, don't be surprised at the things that are coming your way as if you have no reason to expect it. Don't be surprised that the difficulties that you face or the pain that you face or suffering that you face as if something strange were happening to you. What he is saying is expect that something difficult is going to happen in your life. Uh, Christ himself said that we would face trials in John chapter 16 verse 33. He said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, so he's not just talking about uh, tribulation in terms of persecution, but he's talking about any kind of affliction that we face. He is saying, in this world you will face affliction and suffering and pain and difficulty, but take heart, I have overcome this world. And again, he has seated himself with God in heaven. He is in that place. He transcends this world. He is not shaken by anything of this world. He is with the Father. Again, we talked about a couple weeks ago that he is our advocate. Now before the Father, he has sent his advocate, the Holy Spirit, to be with us. And in that, my source of life comes from the place where he is with God. It is not shaken by the things of the world. That's why he says, take heart. I have overcome the world. You might face suffering here, but take heart. I am beyond all of this and your life is hidden with me in the place where God dwells in this moment. <clears throat> uh, so again, James says, 
consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Uh, we see in Romans the same call uh, to joy in Romans 5, uh, starting in verse 3. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Consider it pure joy. We rejoice in our suffering. So we see this call all throughout Scripture that the people of God are to think differently, have a different perspective on the trials and sufferings that they face because my life isn't from here anymore. The source of my life is from another place where Christ is with God in this moment. That is the source of my life. And I find joy in that place. It comes from that place into my heart. So I experience joy in that way. Uh, the Word of God tells us we have to have a right view of suffering and trials. We understand them in context of eternity and trust in our Creator. Uh, the next thing is we see, again, let's start in verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So consider it pure joy. Then why? Why do we do that? Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You see, I can have joy in trials because my faith is being developed in testing. That's what he is saying here. You consider it joy. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance to continue on. Perseverance to endure. We'll talk about that more as we go. But uh, the tests of faith provide the opportunity for the strengthening of my spiritual walk in perseverance. Um, I experience joy because... My priority is to know God. You see, I can experience that joy because everything, if I am sincerely walking in Him, then I my life is ordered toward knowing Him in greater and greater depth. Everything that I do, everything that I want, everything that I encounter, all of my thoughts, my desires are then ordered towards knowing God in greater and greater depth. Uh, I want to hear from him, uh, to concern myself with his thoughts, his desires and purposes. And when I have this sincere desire in my life, it becomes the most important thing, the, the significance of that desire. Uh, it, it's, its priority is far greater than anything else in my life. Uh, and in this, then, I view everything that I encounter as either a hindrance to my relationship with God, or as a means of growing in knowing Him in greater depth. I consider every single thing that I encounter then as either a hindrance to my relationship or as uh, something, as a means of knowing Him in greater and greater depth. So again, everything, everything that I encounter in life is viewed through the lens of God, my desire to know Him, what he has done in my life, who he is, I have a different perspective now. And again, as we talked about before, that is a different perspective on everything. But in this moment, talking about suffering, I have a different perspective on suffering because my desire is to know God in greater and greater measure. Now, the Bible tells me that the afflictions and the sufferings and the difficulties that we face 
uh, are testing our faith and producing perseverance. The Bible tells us over and over that uh, a faith is something that is refined and purified in greater ways as we continue to walk with God, that he would desire to purify his people through this life. We see that in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 2. It says, But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like fuller's soap. He will sit as a smelter and purifier of silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver, so that they may present to the Lord offerings in righteousness. And we see in Psalm chapter 66, uh, uh, starting verse 8, it says, Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. And these aren't the only scriptures. All throughout scripture, you can find that God is refining people. He is likened to testing them or refining like silver or some sort of metal. And if you know anything about that process, I don't know a lot about the process, but I know that there are metals where when you refine them, you melt them down, you put them in intense heat and you melt them down and the the impurities rise to the top and then they skim those off the top. And sometimes they do that process multiple times where they'll melt things down, the impurities rise and they'll uh, skim that off the top. Uh, so what he is saying here is this is the process of our faith being refined that we are going to face trials and afflictions, number one, because we live in a fallen world where mankind chose to rebel against God and sin came into the world through that. But we are subject to the difficulties of life as a result of that fall. Though we still walk in Christ, we are still subject to the free will of other human beings and their choice to make uh, sinful decisions. We are still subject to those those decisions. We're still subject to to government authorities and uh, i mean again the bible says that we should respect our government authorities as far as we can but we are still subject to them making decisions that aren't based on biblical principles uh we are subject to the things of the world around us because of the fallen nature of the world christ has not said that when we accept him that we would just uh be uh, brought to a place that is above all of that suffering or the evil that still exists in the world. We face suffering and difficulty as a result of what the world became, uh, as a result of the decisions of mankind to rebel against God. But in that then, those things are used for our faith to be tested or refined or put under the fire which melts in the, the impurities rise to the top. And in that then, God sees the impurities, reveals the impurities in our heart to us, and he uh, begins to remove the impurities from us. But you understand that that happens uh, as we put our pl ourselves in the place or accept being in the place sometimes of uh, persevering under trial, that the afflictions, the suffering, the difficulties will be uh, the fire that refines us, melting us, and the impurities come out, and then we deal with those things through the Spirit of God searching our hearts. But what I'm saying ultimately is that we cannot think as Christians that we are ever going to continue on in our faith journey, that we are ever going to grow, that we are ever going to know God in some 
serious depth or intimacy in relationship with him. We will not know him in that way outside of afflictions testing us. You see, there are things that have to push us beyond ourselves in order for us to have a right perspective on uh, uh, the spiritual world, understanding the things of God. We have to be pushed beyond our comfort is what is being said here. Now, we consider that that happens in multiple different ways. We've talked on Wednesday nights, for those of you that had been there for it, we talked about spiritual disciplines, and there are many different spiritual disciplines that the Bible outlines, one of which is fasting. Uh, now, when you fast, it's not about abusing your body or depriving yourself of something so that your uh, sacrifice in itself merits the presence of God. It's not about that, but it is about disciplining my body in, in the act of removing the comfort for most of us, that is food, when we remove that comfort, it begins to reveal things about us. It begins to reveal things contained within our hearts. And I've said before, for me, that is one of the most difficult things. I don't know why, but for me, when I am hungry, when I am especially tired and hungry, I begin to start... uh, I mean, with those that are close to you, it's easy to start reacting to situations in a way that reveals there's some things within my heart that need to change. The point of that is that that fasting can be a way of me pushing beyond my comfort zone to see through the Spirit revealing, but to see the depths of my heart and what is actually contained there. And in the same way, trials and difficulties that we face reveal the nature of our heart. It refines us, and God is able to deal then with the impurities in our hearts. Uh, But I understand when my goal is to know him in that depth, then I embrace difficulty and suffering, and I have joy because I know that the end result, if I continue with God in this, I know that the end result is a purer and purer faith. Now, it's not that we take joy in somebody who uh, is close to us who dies or, or something like that. It's not like, you know, if I'm a business owner that, that I'm happy that all of a sudden my business uh, maybe went under and I lost something. It's not necessarily that we're happy for that happening, but I'm happy that I can be confident in God and I can be confident that he is working in me as my faith is tested in him. I can experience joy knowing that he is still working in me, even in the midst of whatever difficulties that I am facing. Uh, so growing in faith develops perseverance, uh, or some versions, I think the King James says, uh, patience. Um, so we have to understand then, let's let's just go on to verse 4. We're going to start again in verse 2. Uh, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So the point of perseverance uh, or perseverance, or again, as the King James says, patience, it is an active thing. It's not a passive thing. We're not talking about something where I see a trial that is set before me or something is thrust on me, some difficulty or affliction, and I just endure this until it passes. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about here is perseverance or patience being 
something that is active, something that I am actively pursuing with all of my being. Uh, that that in the midst of trials, that my faith, my confidence in God would be active. That my again my my decision making in the midst of suffering is actively bent towards the purposes of God, my confidence in Him, my desire to know Him, uh, the way that I react to decisions around me, that is influenced by my, dis- my confidence in God, my desire to know Him, and my, co- my desire to live out His purposes. So it is not just a sitting back and waiting for something to pass. And that's what we've talked about a few times during this everything that we are facing today, that we cannot just wait and sit back and, and think that someday off in the future things will get back to normal and then we'll get back to, do, to you know, uh, fellowshipping together in church the way that we've done or we'll get back to this. And there, there is nothing that we can just sit back and wait until it becomes normal or what we have known it as in the past. Number one, maybe God's trying to teach us something through this. I'm not saying that he caused all of this to happen for us to know something, but I'm saying in the midst of whatever is set before us, whatever difficulties that God wants to teach his people through difficult things. So what is he wanting to teach us? Number one, about myself, two, about our faith communities, and three, about my interactions with the world around me. But in the midst of this, that we don't just sit back and wait for things to get back to normal, but I determine wherever I am right now, what is God's purpose for me? Now, for most of us, that's just simply being our families. For most of us, the only people we've been able to be around is our families in this moment. What does God desire me to do in my relationship with my family? What does he desire for me to do in my relationship with my church family? How do I continue to encourage each other uh, in the midst of the difficulties that we face? My point is that we are actively thinking in pursuing God and an understanding of what he desires of us in the midst of the trials that we face. We're not just sitting back saying, okay, God, uh, I'll hold on and wait and we'll endure this, and then things eventually will get back to normal. It is an active thing pursuing God out of confidence in him uh, and a love for him and a desire that my faith would be refined to reflect him more and more. Uh, so perseverance is an active thing, but the the good, the amazing thing about uh, perseverance or patience is that God has not left us to ourselves uh, to try to build ourselves up in strength or in power to persevere. But He has promised to work within us His own strength to carry us. Colossians chapter one, starting verse eleven, it says uh, He's talking, meaning so that you may be. And He says, strengthen with all power according to His glorious might so that you may have great patience and endurance. Strengthen with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. So what he is saying here is that we are strengthened according to his glorious might. It's not just simply by me trying to reform my behaviors, though we do have to order our lives around him, but ultimately the, the strength of perseverance comes from my confidence in him, in his strength then at work in me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, starting verse 16, says that I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So it is his glorious might that has work at work within us. We are strengthened by his power through his spirit in our inner being. You see, when I have confidence in God, when I'm walking with him, 
when I order my life after him, when I redeemed in Christ, then again, as we talked about a few weeks ago, Christ said he would send his advocate to be with us. And he is counseling us, uh, teaching us, gifting us. And also, as it says here, we are strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. You see, the spirit's abiding presence in us works the strength of God in us to persevere, to endure, to continue on, to abide in him, uh, with confidence in him, whatever trials or suffering we may face. Perseverance is an act of confidence in God. It is abiding under him uh, in the midst of difficulties. The last thing that I want to look up here quickly is uh, verse 4, James 1, 4. It says, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So we experience joy in the midst of trials because we know that trials test our faith, developing perseverance. Perseverance, having confidence in God and His Spirit, strengthening my spirit to continue to endure and abide in Him and walk with Him and grow in Him in the midst of suffering and affliction. But he says in verse 4 again, Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That is the end result of perseverance, of confidence in God, enduring, abiding in Him in the midst of difficulties, and my joy being motivated by that end goal. You see, again, this is why I can experience joy, because I know the end result of all of these things, if I continue to abide in God in the midst of this, is that I will be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Uh, so, Perseverance leads me to the place where I lack nothing. My focus and confidence in God is strengthened to such a degree, a degree that I have lost a taste for anything else in this world. We become mature, meaning that I no longer think or act in the way I used to. My desires, my thoughts, my purposes, my affections uh, are now ordered or reflect who Christ is. You see, God is calling us to confidence in Him. God is calling us to abide in him, to endure in him, and to continue in him, experiencing joy because we know that whatever difficulties or suffering that we face through endurance in him leads us to be mature and complete, not lacking anything in him. You see, there's nothing else in the Word of God that would ever give us the idea that we would become mature and complete, not lacking anything as a result of passivity or as a result of comfort there is never anything that you will find that will lead us to understand maturity or completeness uh, or not lacking anything as a result of comfort but see when my comfort is in him again my comfort comes from the place where he is that means that i'm not shaken by the sufferings of this world i know i keep saying those things and i have for a long time but it is essential for us to understand that my life is not from this place now. It is from the place where he is. The Bible says that he is the God of all comfort. My comfort comes from his unshakable dwelling place. It doesn't come from the world anymore. My perspective has to be shaped by my understanding of who God is, his promises, his desire to work in me, his desires, what he desires of me, 
I order my life in that way, and I understand that as I have confidence in him, enduring in him in the midst of trials, that he will refine me and make me mature and complete, not lacking anything. Now, none of this is to say that we're not going to face some of the suffering that we might face, some of the loss that we might face, some of the afflictions that we might face might be very, very difficult. Uh, There are people that have faced things in life that most of us can't even begin to imagine. Uh, God wants to be the God of all comfort for you in the midst of that situation. He will strengthen you. He will encourage you. He will walk with you if you endure, if you abide in him in the midst of your suffering. He will make you mature and complete, not lacking anything in him. God, we thank you today for the opportunity, again, to look into your word, for your living word that speaks to our hearts, for your living word that uh, brings refreshment and counsel. Father, your word, your living word that directs us in how to live in this world, how to live in this world in light of who you are and how to have confidence in you and who you are and what you say about yourself. Father, teach us to walk in your ways. Teach us to to abide in you. Give us the strength to persevere in you. Give us the heavenly vision to have joy in the midst of suffering, not looking at it from a worldly perspective any longer, uh, but knowing that you are working in our hearts to affect us for eternity and refining us. Father, help us to take joy in that, knowing that you desire to make us mature and complete, not lacking anything. Father, we love you today. It is in your name we pray. Amen.